Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in, Monday edition of the program. Indiana wins another on the road over the weekend in Ann Arbor. A great win. I talked about last week how this Michigan team was dangerous. I thought it was a very dangerous game in their schedule after some of the successes for this Indiana team. But Indiana gets the win. The biggest takeaway there, the biggest thing that stood out to me, Indiana held Michigan scoreless the final five minutes and 12 seconds of the ball game. That just kind of underscores where this defense is at and how Indiana has really made defense a signature, I think, of this team. But a big road win, any road win in the Big Ten is meaningful. That one really big because unbeknownst that just hours after that, Purdue was going to fall to Northwestern in a huge shock. And now Indiana prepares to play Northwestern. So, number one, Purdue probably no longer when the AP poll uh, comes out. Also, with Purdue's loss, Indiana and Indiana's win, Indiana takes sole possession of second place in the Big Ten Conference. I still don't know unless Purdue just has a, a total collapse, if Indiana has any chance at getting to that top spot or tying for that top spot. But uh, definitely uh, there's been some movement here in the Big Ten over the last few weeks, and Indiana continues to trend in a really good direction. Let's look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, here in just a few moments, Sharon Wilkerson, the head coach of Jeffersonville, is going to stop by to help us get our Monday show started. His Red Devils had a signature win of their own, Over the weekend, they defeated a really good Jennings County team that everybody thought was the the front runner in the sectional. And they may still be, but Jeff uh, not only beat them, but had them down in a big way in the second quarter. And uh, a great win for Jeffersonville. So Coach Wilkerson with us in a moment to talk about that. Later in the show, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will join as well. We will catch up on the latest with IU basketball coming out of the win. We'll preview the Northwestern contest coming up as well. And then Chad Gilbert, Athletic Director at Charlestown, IHSA Executive Board member. He always is with us Mondays as we talk local sports in the area. And we've got high school basketball. We've got the tournament pairings for the boys coming up the girls tournament moving into semi-state round this Saturday that's going to be a lot of fun and plenty of other things to catch up with here in our Monday show that's the lineup a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany don't forget to check out their dinner package deals which are being offered you can dine in take them to go and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Tam in New Albany also the Thornton's text line is open you can send your thoughts on the Hoosiers high school basketball, whatever you'd like to say or ask. The number is 502 
414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. That's what we call the Thornton's text line here on the show. And right now at Thornton's, you can get a free sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit, a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant, or a steak and egg burrito, and any fountain drink, tea, or fizz freeze, or 20-ounce bottled soda when you become a new Refreshing Rewards member. Simply download the app and register for Refreshing Rewards to earn your free breakfast today on Thornton's. All right, let's get to our first guest, Sharon Wilkerson, head coach of the Red Devils, joining us. Coach, congratulations on a big win Saturday night. Really appreciate that, Matt. Very much appreciate it. We were very fortunate to get out of there with a win. Uh, we're very happy uh, with, with the outcome. Not only did you guys escape, it may be a good way to say it, with the victory, but at one point in the game, you led Jennings County by 20 points, and the Panthers uh, coming into that contest had only lost one game. They were perfect in Hoosier Hills Conference play, so uh, to play that well, to get this front-running team down by as many as 20, what did Jeff do well, especially at some moments there in that first half of play? No, man, I, I think that we, we did a couple of things really well in, in the first half of play. I, I thought that we, we executed our game plan, uh, the, the way the schedule shook out for us. We were very fortunate to have to have a full week of preparation for Jennings County. So uh, I thought that that, that gave, us, uh, gave us an edge, uh, especially with those guys playing Columbus East on Friday. Uh, so we was able to, to definitely use that time to our advantage. And then the second thing that I thought that we did, I uh, thought that we did a really, really good job of, of defending their three-point shooting in the first half. Uh, man, they are an excellent team. Uh, not for sure that I've seen a, a team at this level uh, be able to shoot it uh, so well from so many different positions. And they are uh, they're, they're a really, really good team when they're making shots. They're a really good team when they're not making shots. So uh, in that first half, it, it just so happened that, uh, that we was able to get a few stops and get some scores. You guys placed four players in double figures. It truly was a team effort on Saturday night in that big win. It was all led by Trey Singleton. He had 17 points. Michael Cooper right behind him with 16. P.J. Douglas had 13. Also, Connor Lyons, he had 15 points as well. That's the type of effort, Coach, uh, that it takes to win these big games, especially against a team with a number of weapons themselves in Jennings County. No, I, I think that that's the, uh, I think that's kind of the, the recipe in, in our league, if you will, Matt. You know, our league is really, really good, especially when you go on the road. Uh, you know, we, we tell our guys all the time that you can't pay attention to the records. You know, guys are really well coached. Uh, our coaches do a really good job of preparing their teams. I mean, man, they, they scout you, so they, uh, so it, it makes it really difficult. Uh, you know, we, we kind of feel that, uh, if we can have four or five guys that can be a threat, then that makes it difficult for teams to prepare for us. Uh, so that's kind of how we have, have taken the approach in building our program. And, and, uh, up until this point, you know, I think that we've, we've hit some growing pains, but, uh, for, for the most part, uh, we've done a pretty decent job of being able to get done what we, what we try to execute. Sharon Wilkerson of Jeffersonville, my guest here to start our Monday show. Coach, to get that big of a win in the middle of February, the tournament pairings will be out soon. There's still some regular season left, but everybody is starting to think about the end of February, March Madness, postseason basketball. That has to be just a big jolt in a positive way for your program to not only get a win, but I think for these young guys that you've played so much that have been coming together over the last few months, it's got to make them believe that they can compete with really anybody that they're going to face. 
And Matt, that, that's the thing for us. That that was the thing that we really uh, we really harped on uh, in the post game speech. Uh, you know, being that we're so young, we start four sophomores, right? So I think sometimes the the, the path that you travel sometimes can be a little bit intimidating, especially here in the HHC. Uh, so that win uh, is is definitely uh, it. it it lets us know that we can compete at a very, very high level. Uh, we set out to win the conference. Uh, we set out to win the sectional. And uh, obviously, we're going to, uh, looks like we're going to get a share of the conference. Now we're trying to get ourselves ready to, to prepare for the sectional here coming up. Sharon Wilkerson of Jeffersonville, my guest. Coach, you know, you've, you've been around basketball your entire life. You played at Jeff in the Hoosier Hills Conference. You've coached in various situations across the state, various levels as well. And now you're back as the head coach at Jeff in the HHC. It's always been a great conference in Indiana. What does it mean to be at the top uh, for you in this season here early at Jeff? And then also maybe give us your preview, your feel. I know you've covered the great coaches and a lot of scouting in the preparation by so many coaches in the conference that make all these games tough but what's an early look at the sectional look like and how fun could Seymour be this year no I think it's going to be really fun for the fans Matt I I think that the parity is so deep I mean man even the teams that's at the bottom of our conference I mean I I, I truly feel they have a legit chance of being able to compete in the sectional Uh, I mean the, the the coaching is second to none you know, I, I think any time that you do have a good coach, you know, those those teams go into the game already having scored 10 points, right? That's kind of how we tell our guys in getting ready to play our, our opponents. Uh, I mean, man, we have really good coaching here, and that's what we fear the most. You know, it's I, I get it, right? Every coach wants talent, right? But the, the teams that we fear are the teams that's well-coached, the teams that play hard, the teams that play together and are disciplined. Those are the teams that we fear. And it just so happens that all of our teams in our conference – they, they have those qualifications. So the, it, it, puts it, it puts a lot of pressure on us uh, to get our guys ready to compete, and hopefully they, they can respond the way that they have here in the, la- the last two and a half weeks uh, of the season. Talking with Sharon Wilkerson, the head coach of the Red Devils. Coach Wilkerson, uh, 10 and 7 are the Devils in his first season and playing a lot of youngsters, a lot of sophomores starting and also coming off the bench for this Jeffersonville team. I think that I bring this up a lot of times that we talk both on and off the radio, but always have been impressed with Trey Singleton, not only what he's doing now as a sophomore, but also what I think his potential could be. He's really growing. He's long. He's lanky. He's very talented uh, on and off of the basketball. What what could the ceiling be for him if you get the opportunity to work with him for a few more seasons and continue to see the type of development that he's seen from freshman now to sophomore? What What could his ceiling be here as a key player in Southern Indiana basketball? No, Matt. I, I will be honest with you. We we have uh, we have seen uh, Trey grow exponentially uh, here within from the beginning of the the season up until now. I mean, he he has. We have challenged him in every way possible uh, in the classroom, uh, on the floor, uh, socially, and he has done a phenomenal job in responding to those challenges. And and we kind of feel that uh, you will see his biggest growth here after we've had a chance to spend with him during the off season. Right, we got here in June, so right now we have really focused more on the team aspects of building our program. So we still have yet to, to have an opportunity uh, to focus on the individual development. And we truly feel that once we get that opportunity, that not only Trey but also everybody, they will start to see a, a huge improvement. 
but Trey specifically, uh, I think that he, he brings so many intangibles to the game. You know, he's 6'7". Uh, he's our post player, but he can step out to the perimeter. Uh, we've even played him at some three this year. I mean, man, so I, I think that it, it shows you uh, just how diverse his game could, could potentially be. Uh, so we're going to continue to develop those skill sets, and uh, hopefully he will he will get his reward. Coach, it gets no easier for the Devils the rest of the way. You've got at Ballard coming up on Tuesday night. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. Evansville Wrights coming this weekend at Madison and then at Castle to close out the regular season. So this young team, still some great opportunities for them to be put in very challenging situations ahead of whatever the sectional draw may look at or look like. Uh, this Ballard game, that they're playing great as well and have been on quite the run here. I know they got beat Friday night by a very good Evangel Christian team, but that should be a fun game. Always traditionally have looked forward to seeing the Red Devils and the Bruins play a Southern Indiana versus Louisville matchup, and that uh, is set for Tuesday night. So we, we, we kind of use this game as, as a test that, that will prepare us for a deep run into the tournament uh, within the state of Indiana. You know, uh, Ballard has always been a, uh, been a program that has been uh, widely respected uh, I mean the years year in year out uh, they bring a very very high level uh, of basketball so we're really looking forward to this challenge especially you know having the opportunity to come off the win against uh, against Jennings uh, we just kind of feel that it's going to be another test of our maturity uh, specifically and it's going to be a test to, to see uh, what how we respond to adversity right we're going on the road it's going to be a hostile environment against a really, really good team. Uh, I think right now they're ranked fourth in the state of Kentucky. Uh, so it, it's going to be a difficult challenge for us. So we're really interested to see how we respond to this challenge. Sharon Wilkerson of Jeffersonville with us here to kickstart our Monday show after a big, big win over Jennings County on Saturday night. Coach, thanks for the chat. Best of luck Tuesday and the rest of the way. And uh, we'll be in touch very soon. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. All right. Go Red Devils. Absolutely. Sharon Wilkerson with us. Uh, had to have him on to start the show, start the week. A big win for Jeffersonville. And, of course, if you need any reminder about this Jennings County team and how well they can shoot the ball, I know that it was not their best performance on Saturday night, but they had five three-pointers in the third period, which helped them get back in the game. At one point, it looked like it might just be totally a Jeff runaway. And uh, Jennings County able to uh, win the third quarter 19-13 and then Jeffersonville bounced back to outscore him in the fourth by one point to hang on to win 65-59 but just a big performance by Jeff and I think it's kind of what maybe a lot of people that have seen the Devils play a lot this season have been waiting for kind of that big signature win and for some of the young guys to uh, get this big resume piece as they think about the tournament as well so uh, big win for Jeff now the feeling in the conference and the second maybe changes and tightens up just a bit. Jennings County had really been thought of as the lone front runner in the Seymour 4A sectional. And I think that a lot of people will still list them as that, but Jeffersonville right on their heels and showing they can not only play with them, but they can beat them as well as they did on Saturday night. Now, that's our first segment here on this Monday program. We will head to a commercial break and remind you the Thornton's text line is open. That number, 502 414 
502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. You can send in questions, comments for our guests, whatever you've got. Uh, a lot of IU stuff for sure, but we'll even take local things as well. And we'll talk all about Indiana's win over Michigan with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star coming up next. The Hoosiers got a big one on the road. They are in sole possession of second place in the Big Ten Conference. And we'll discuss all of that and more after this on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Monday program. Indiana, a huge win on the road over Michigan. And, of course, Purdue falls to Northwestern. So, Indiana, the lone number two in the Big Ten Conference. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star joining us to talk about the Hoosiers, Purdue, Big Ten, and a lot more here in this segment. And, Zach, I tell you what, any Big Ten road game is big. But to see this Indiana defense step up the final five minutes or so of the contest and hold Michigan scoreless and hang on for a tough win, big stuff for IU and the Hoosiers. Yeah, I was I was sitting next to Tyler Tashman, our, uh, our student freelancer, and for about the first 27, 28 minutes of the game, I think I was just sort of saying that, you know, it's, Probably what a lot of Indiana fans were saying, but just it just didn't feel like Indiana had the uh, had the juice for it on, on Saturday night. You know, Michigan was not necessarily playing well for forty minutes, but was certainly playing desperate. Was certainly playing like a team that knew it needed to win that game, and Indiana just couldn't quite find a way to raise its level, you know, above Michigan in a way that you sort of looked at Indiana and said that's definitely a better team than Michigan. But can they can they get above them today? Um, and then after about 28 minutes, it, it, it just kind of my, I guess my perspective anyway, started changing. And I just started saying, you know, if you can, if Indiana can get this down to about five, six minutes left and it's still close, then a lot of this is going to turn on Michigan because Michigan is going to start feeling panicked and they're going to start rushing possessions. They're going to start making mistakes. They're going to start thinking, is this chance slipping away? Are we wasting it? And I think there's a maturity to, you know, I don't know if Indiana's necessarily sitting there saying that in the huddle and saying, oh, just, you know, wait for them to make the mistakes. Um, but I, I do think there's an extent to which, you know, it, it felt like a mature performance from Indiana in the sense that Indiana probably in some level could recognize it wasn't playing well, and it just kept persisting, and it kept persisting. And eventually it did get to a point where it felt like the terms of the game turned on, on Michigan – Michigan suddenly felt a little bit like, oh, geez, we're going to let another one slip away. Our tournament hopes are fading. This is, you know, all this feels bad. And Indiana kind of capitalized on that. And Indiana was really good down the stretch defensively. I also think Indiana really capitalized on some of Michigan's antsiness and some of Michigan's mistakes uh, defensively as, as the game kind of entered those final minutes. And it just it just felt like, I mean, you know, for lack of a better comparison, it felt like a lot of the games we have seen Indiana lose in the last four or five years, but with Michigan wearing Indiana shoes. 
in Indiana being the team that understands how to stay calm, stay poised, stay together, and just wait for the opportunities to present themselves to pick up what what is a, an important roadmap. Yeah, no question. Zach, um, Trace Jackson Davis, I feel like some days the show, the hour we have is 75% about him, his accomplishments, how important he is to the team, his leadership, and so forth. I mean, you could go on and on about him, and it's become every game. It's so consistent. It's really unbelievable. My hope is, and this is after he put up 28 points and 11 rebounds, uh, in the in the game at uh, at Michigan on uh, over the weekend, my hope is that fans don't take for granted what they're seeing, what they're getting, almost on a game by game basis from Trace Jackson Davis. He's an efficient player. Uh, he's he's a scorer. He's a rebound. He's a a double double machine. There are so many descriptors that you could give him, and he does it all with grace and class and uh, very, for the most part, uh, you know, uh, not arrogant, uh, very just goes about his business, I think, in a workmanlike way. And I hope that Indiana fans don't don't get so uh, reliant and uh, used to his big performances that they take him for granted here the rest of the way. Obviously, this is anecdotal in the sense that I, I you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a polling firm. You know, I'm not Ipsos or uh, who else puts those together, Quinnipiac. But I, I do think in my interactions with IU fans and talking to people and, you know, listening to people who write into podcasts or, or whatever. I don't know. That's kind of a weird, you know, a, a weird uh, uh, point of reference. But you get my what I'm saying. I think. Um, I think it is coming into focus lately, and I think probably the two games last week when he did what he did against Purdue and, and Rutgers are kind of the moment when Indiana fans started to, to sort of say it, it's not just a, an impressive performance, but that this is, uh, to, to borrow a, a line from my, uh, my Liverpool supporting brothers across the Atlantic, it, this is different gravy. Um, this is... I think people are really struggling, frankly, um, to just sort of find it. And I am too, like the last time an IU player had a stretch of dominance like this, where every game was 20 points and double digit rebounds and the blocks and the assists and just everything that's kind of gone into the Trace Jackson Davis experience this year. You know, I mean, like it's, if you think about these three games, he had 25, and I think it was seven against Purdue. He had, I believe, 20 and 18 against Rutgers. He had 28 and I think 13 on Saturday. That's against Zach Eady, Cliff Amore, and Hunter Dickinson. That's against a Purdue team that's, that's been one of the best teams in the country, not just at defending the rim and not just at rebounding the ball, but you know has, has been elite at clearing the glass and has been elite at, at stopping quality two point attempts, not just, you know, not just not letting teams finish from two, but not even letting teams get good looks from two. And then you've got Cliff Amore at the heart of a Rutgers defense. That's one of the top five in the country. And then you've got a player in Hunter Dickinson that, you know, as much as any other than maybe Kofi Coburn had really given Jackson Davis fit because he was longer because Jackson Davis couldn't kind of out athlete him because Hunter Dickinson could move Jackson Davis around the floor a little bit more than I think sometimes Jackson Davis was, was comfortable with. He was almost kind of the anti-Kofi Coburn in the way that I think Jackson Davis struggled to play him. And, I mean, Jackson Davis dwarfed Dickinson. 
Saturday. I mean, you know, they're, they're and that's nothing against Dickinson, but their their performances did not feel comparable at all. I, I obviously there's a whole separate conversation to be had about Big Ten Player of the Year, and you know, it does feel like the you know maybe National Player of the Year, and it does feel like a lot of that's going to wind up bending towards Zach Eady. Um, but I mean, Trace Jackson Davis, I've covered. Cody Zeller, I've covered Yogi Ferrell, I've covered Victor Oladipo, DJ White, Eric Gordon. I have never seen a player that has been this consistently dominant in the way that the game just seems to orbit around him. His offense, his defense, uh, his, his, you know, um, his ability to pass the ball, his rim protection, the fact that he's bringing the ball up the floor more now, and you've got Mike Woodson you know, making comparisons to Josh Smith and Al Horford, some players that he's allowed to, you know, sort of in that offensive initiator role in the past. I mean, he's just, this is as, this is as good as it gets. And, and I don't think Indiana fans, I don't think that's lost on Indiana fans. Zach Osterman, <clears throat> excuse me, of the Indianapolis Star joining us here on this Monday show. We're talking IU hoops coming off the win over Michigan. There's lots of other things to talk about from an IU perspective, and maybe we'll have some time to get back to them. But I want to talk about the conference as a whole and the current standings picture because Purdue is still considerably ahead of the rest of the pack even after their surprising loss uh, at Northwestern over the weekend. But Indiana, with the victory, they are now the sole number two team in the standings. If if everything goes perfect the rest of the way for Indiana, do the Hoosiers have any – opening any real chance to catch the Boilermakers? So, actually, I wrote about this um, this morning. Um, Indiana is actually tied for second with Northwestern. Northwestern's also 9-5. and five. Uh, Purdue, or excuse me, Illinois is 8-5. and five. They had the, the Minnesota game that had to be rescheduled because Minnesota had a COVID shutdown. Obviously, you would expect Illinois to win that game, but that means Illinois has got to play seven games in the last 20 days of the regular season, so that's a lot. Um, those are probably realistically your best. Your your that's probably your chasing pack at this point with Purdue, um, because Purdue's already played fifteen Big Ten games, which means that you know needing any eight and sixteen needing Purdue to lose three of its last five is, is probably hoping for a bridge too far. I think the honestly, I think this week is kind of high noon. Um, obviously, one of Indiana or Northwestern will come out of the game Wednesday in Evanston, ten and five in the conference, and at that point, two games behind Purdue, Purdue's twelve and three. Then Purdue goes to Maryland on Thursday. A host Ohio State, if I'm remembering rightly, on Sunday. Ohio State's obviously kind of in a tailspin at this point. If if there is one more twist in the tail, so to speak, of this Big Ten race, I think it's probably got to come. Thursday at Maryland, and, and and if you look at you know Northwestern, according to Bart Torvik's website, T Rank Northwestern has the fourth toughest remaining Big Ten schedule. Indiana has the second toughest. Now, some of that is going to be the fact that they play each other. So you know both of those numbers will probably dip after Wednesday's game. But the point is, it's not like either of those teams has a cakewalk to the end of the regular season. Um, but if particularly because Indiana actually gets a shot at, excuse me, at Purdue, whereas Northwestern has already played Purdue for the last time in the regular season. I think the, the only reasonable scenario to me, bar a, you know, a genuine sort of Purdue meltdown, 
Um, and because Illinois just has such a busy end to the regular season that it's probably going to tax them physically. The only reasonable scenario to me that would open the Big Ten race back up would be Purdue losing Thursday. It would basically be Indiana beating Northwestern on Wednesday and Purdue losing it to Maryland on Thursday. If Northwestern beats Indiana, they'd obviously move closer to Purdue. But again, the problem is that Northwestern doesn't play Purdue again, so they don't, they don't get a chance to, wherever the game is, to pull Purdue closer to them, whereas Indiana does, even if that game's in West Lafayette. Purdue is probably going to be a comfortable favorite against Ohio State, given this, everything that's going on in Columbus. And then Purdue gets six days off before it plays Indiana and West Lafayette, whereas Indiana's got to go to Michigan State on the Tuesday that week. So the short version of this is, it still seems it's still very much Purdue's league to lose. The only team that I think, just given remaining schedules and the way things shake out, Illinois does play Purdue on the last day of the regular season, or at least the last weekend of the regular season. But you know, the way things are trending, it sort of feels like if, if Purdue's going to finish this up, then the Big Ten is going to be done by that point. Um, the only team of those three that, to me, has a, 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 even a plausible path to getting to making this a race again is Indiana. That's still pretty extreme. That would require Indiana to beat Northwestern on the road, Illinois at home, Michigan State on the road, have Purdue lose at Maryland, and then lose to Indiana in West Lafayette um, in a game that could effectively seal the Big Ten for Purdue if they won it, even in that sort of best-case scenario for Indiana. But that's the path, and, and it, you know, it, it exists. And I think if you're Indiana, given the way you started Big Ten play, the way Purdue was going just about two weeks ago, et cetera, that's probably the most you can ask for. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star. Uh, you know, I've got to bring this up. With Indiana uh, knocking off all these victories here recently, uh, they are in a big way helping themselves with the NCAA tournament, regardless what happens with the final standings in the Big Ten Conference. I mean, each of these wins, some of them more important than others, different quad wins and, and different things that stand out as far as a tournament resume is is concerned. But with all the wins that Indiana has been able to reach here over the last three weeks, you want to talk about a total different picture from one month ago until now as far as what their NCAA tournament path or resume looks like. Indiana might be one of the most improved teams, I would think, from that uh, perspective. It may be in the conference and definitely maybe even in the country as well you know I mean it, it would you'd be hard-pressed both because of the results and because of who they've come against to, to argue that there's many teams in the country right now playing better than Indiana and and that's that's not to say Indiana's not without flaws that's not to say Indiana can't get better I think they can certainly be better offensively they you know if they can get I mean they need to get healthy race Thompson missed the game against Michigan it doesn't seem like it's a long-term issue but it, you know it, it's still I think maybe five games he's been out in the last 11 or something like that. Obviously, Xavier Johnson is still on the sideline. Um, there are clearly ways Indiana can still get better, but, you know, I, I saw a couple of national writers put up their, their AP votes last night or this morning, and they had Indiana in the top 10. And I don't expect Indiana to be ranked in the top 10 when the AP poll drops later today, but I can understand why you would see it that way, because ultimately, if, you know, if, if we can acknowledge that, you know, Teams are works in progress for most of the season, and this one, frankly, probably still is to some extent. Then um, it, it is just it is you have to at some point separate the whole 
Well, they looked bad against Arizona and Kansas, and they had a three-game losing streak in January from what you've seen them do recently, which is just absolutely run the Big Ten. Um, they've beaten everybody. That, that you know, I mean, the, the, the only the only game they have lost um, in this stretch was a totally totally acceptable defeat to one of the best home teams in the Big Ten. And again, maybe if you're Indiana, you can you can take some heart from from what. Maryland has done at home the results Maryland's gotten at home. If you're Indiana, you got to beat Northwestern on on Wednesday first. But you know, maybe you can maybe you can take some sort of uh, some sort of encouragement from that and, and think that you know it's possible for Maryland to get a result against Purdue on Thursday. I mean, you know, you've got you've got a player who, if not for Zach Eady, would be probably the front runner for Big Ten Player of the Year, possibly the front runner for National Player of the Year. You've got uh, an outstanding freshman point guard. You've got role players stepping up in a lot of different ways. If you go to, you know, going back to Torvik, if you, he has a, a tool to sort his national rankings based on date. If you go back to basically the day after the loss at Penn State up till now, Indiana is one of the top five or six teams in the country. They're good on offense. They're good on defense. Like I said, they can clearly get better, but this team has figured enough out that I, I think if, you know, as things stand right now, and hey, listen, it's not Valentine's Day yet. You know, there's there's still plenty of basketball left to be played. But as things stand right now, Indiana is is one of the best teams in the country, and I don't think that's I don't think that's Pollyannish to say. I don't think that's maybe in a homer or anything. They just keep churning out results, and not every one of them is pretty. And that's listen, that's part of the deal. You know, you, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna win some games ugly. They lost the Minnesota, or they they won the Minnesota game ugly. They won the Michigan game ugly. I reference this all the time. The 1976 team that went undefeated in Big Ten play, went undefeated overall, won the national championship, almost lost its Big Ten opener to an Ohio State team that only won two Big Ten games all season that year. So you just, especially on the road, you're going to have some stinkers. But the good teams are the ones that weather that, that grind through it and just keep getting results. And if this team can continue to do that, whether they're able to put pressure on Purdue, you know, in, in, in the Big Ten standings or not, they're going to be a tough out come March. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. Want to go to the Thornton's text line for a moment. Texter said, first off, Matt, slight correction. I said Indiana was in sole possession of second place. I got it. Zach already lined that out. Thank you. Uh, but the question from the texter is, please ask Zach what his take on Malik Renew is right now. Malik is so shaky on road games, he draws fouls so quickly, he lets his opponents drive on him so easily. Well, I think there's a couple things. I think, number one, uh, I mean, it, it shouldn't be surprising that a freshman is going to be better at home than on the road. Um, number two, I, I don't think he's letting opponents drive on him. I think, frankly, you know, I think mean, the issue he has is he's a freshman. He's, you know, he has not had enough time in college basketball to really learn the ins and outs of defending players that are smaller than him or nimbler than him. You know, he often, because of, because of Jackson Davis's natural position, renew when he's on the floor, is going to spend most of his time playing the playing the four to Jackson Davis at the five, which means that Renew is going to get those matchups from time to time where he gets a, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example, but like a, um, you know, like a, a, a Mason Gillis, or he gets, a, you know, a, a, basically a Justice Suing. I think Justice, he spent some time on Justice Suing when Ohio State was in Bloomington. A player that is, is going to play a little bit smaller and a little bit more perimeter-oriented, and opponents are going to attack him because, listen, you know, this is a guy who is, is, you know, he's averaging seven fouls per game, or per, excuse me, per 40 minutes overall. 
He's averaging eight fouls per 40 minutes in Big Ten play. That's got to come down. You can tell Indiana's been working with him on it. But some of that just comes with experience. And, and young bigs, especially young bigs that wind up in that four spot and have to defend some, some tweener, um, you know, tweener defensive covers, are going to get put in some disadvantageous positions. Now, there's areas where I think he needs to continue to help himself. You know, he talked the other day about how Mike Woodson's really been hammering him to stop picking up cheap fouls going for offensive rebounds that he's probably not going to get. He had another one of those Saturday at Michigan. But there's also an element to this with young players where, number one, Indiana doesn't have a ton of choice. I mean, Trey Jackson Davis is already playing 38, 40 minutes a game most nights. He's done it eight times in the 12 games Indiana has played since the turn of the year. He's played at least 38 minutes. Number two, with the injury issues Indiana's had elsewhere, Jordan Geronimo has missed some time, although he's back now. Ray Thompson is obviously, he was out, then he was back, now he's been out again. You just need Malik Renew to give you minutes there um, because I don't think it behooves Indiana defensively to go small and try to play, you know, basically like Miller Cop or Trey Galloway at the four most of the game because you've got to retain your guard depth as well. And so that means that sometimes you're just going to have to let Malik Renew figure it out and, and make some freshman mistakes and struggle a little bit. And that's, that is just part of the equation when you, are, when you have an obviously talented young player that also needs some seasoning, needs to get better in some areas. Um, Indiana's just got to, I think, kind of be comfortable continuing to ride that wave. And I think that's going to happen. Because the flip side is you've also seen what Malik Renew can give you when he's playing well. He's a great rebounder. Um, I think he actually rebounds quietly out of his area better than he probably gets credit for, which is maybe a little bit of one of those things where he gets caught cheating for offensive rebounds and tip rebounds because he can do that. And it's just about maybe him gaining the experience to know when it's time to go for one of those and when it's not. But you've also seen how well he can play buddy ball with Jackson Davis around the rim. He can clean up backside rebounds. He can give you, you know, I mean, he's had multiple games just since the Big Ten restart where he can give you double-digit points and, six, seven rebounds off the bench, and when you are game planning for a team and you've already got to worry about their 25 and 13 center, well, what happens when suddenly you also have to worry about maybe a race Thompson, who's a veteran that's proven, and then also this guy coming off the bench? There is a little bit of a leak renew, and it's a long-winded answer, forgive me, but there is an extent of it to which you just kind of have to take the good with the bad because you got to let a good young player grow up a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star, covered a lot of ground today on IU and the Big Ten. We'll see if Indiana can keep it going. Zach, thanks for the chat today. All right, we'll head to a commercial break and come back with the final segment of our Monday program. Chad Gilbert, he's the athletic director at Charlestown High School and also an IHSA executive board member representing our area. High school basketball is in full swing, a big weekend of boys' action. We heard from Coach Wilkerson earlier in the program. We'll talk about Jeff's big victory. We'll also talk about the girls' semi-states coming up here this weekend. Lots of games around the state. New Albany hosting a semi-state for the first time, and they've got some good games on tap for this weekend there as well. We'll head to a break. We're back with more. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this in for 
all the small schools never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, back with you here on this Monday program. Chad Gilbert always with me in this segment as we talk local sports. And, Chad, bear with me. I've got a number of subjects I'm going to pepper your way, including a text from the text line for you as well. I want to cover all this here in this segment. First off, how about the Red Devils, Coach Wilkerson's club, big winners on Saturday night over Jennings County. It kind of changes what I think we all had assumed would be the, maybe the result or definitely the front runner in Jennings County there at Seymour. They, they still very likely could win it maybe, but Jeffersonville uh, put a real claim in for that sectional with that win on Saturday night. Well, not only that, Matt, but does that not put them in a – Three-way tie for first place in the Hoosier Hills Conference? You know, I was trying to pull that up. I know they're definitely in a two-way tie, but I uh, was trying to see. I think Bedford's lost one, they've lost right. one, and Jennings County's lost one. So that puts them in a great position to be in a spot to share the Hoosier Hills Conference title. Uh, you think about that with the amount of young kids you're playing, that's something to hang your head on. You know, and I know people say, well, conference titles this, conference titles that. Well, if you go back and look at the history, conference titles are hard to come by compared to what when it used to be non-class basketball, if that makes any sense. Sectionals are hard to come by now for the last 20 years. But before that, you know, you kind of had an opportunity to win sectionals easier than you did with a conference because you didn't have, let's say in my age, the Peck or the Damon Baileys that are in your sectionals. And so conference titles are something that are really hard to come by and something that – uh they should really hold, hang their hat on as something to be proud of. And you think about this with that team, more importantly, that's a turn-the-corner game. That's something you build on, not just for the end of this year, but for the next year and the year after that. That's, that's one of those things that you say, man, we can play with anybody. And you really rally your kids around that, and that makes you coming in really, really strong in March. So I think you know Coach Wilkerson's got to be really, really pleased about that win and continue to build off that moving forward. Yeah, Jennings County and Jeff both 5-1 and one in conference play. Bedford right behind with four wins and one loss. So it could be headed for a three-way situation depending on what the schedule looks like the rest of the way. Chad Gilbert is my guest. Chad, I want to give girls basketball a mention here as well. From Harrison County, Corden and Lanesville both won their respective regional games and are now headed to two-game semi-states. You had an opportunity to host a really good regional with two separate regional championship games on Saturday night, and now New Albany got the 1A semi-state games on Saturday, and I think the doghouse will be absolutely packed with Lanesville there and some other really good small school programs in our state. So give us a girls update. You got to see things at the regional level. Well, you know, both our teams that were there advanced, Gibson Southern and uh, Corden, both have legitimate shots to make it out next week. Both are outstanding teams. They both play each other. So one of them is going to be in the championship game against a very talented, you know, I hate to say on paper, but Indian Creek's got a girl going to IU. They've got really good guards. So they're going to be hard to come out of that uh, regional, at ja- or excuse me, at semi-state at Jasper. But we had great crowds. Princeton brought a great crowd. Gibson Southern brought a great crowd. 
Corden brought an outstanding crowd in Rushville. Not only brought an outstanding crowd, but they brought an outstanding band. So we had a great atmosphere in here Saturday at New Albany with 1A. You know Lanesville is going to bring the entire city. There's a lot of uh, Lanesville people in New Albany, a lot of New Albany people in Lanesville. So you're going to have a big, big crowd at New Albany just for Lanesville. Jack Sindel is a traditional 1A power. They're going to bring a ton. Bloomfield's going to bring a ton, a ton, and Trinity Lutheran's had, you know, developed a winning tradition over the year that they're going to bring a ton. So I see the doghouse being packed on Saturday for some really, really good basketball games. And don't be surprised if you see Lanesville and Corden both make it out and a chance to be at Gamebridge Fieldhouse next weekend. Yeah, that would be great to see two Harrison County teams uh, move to state championship opportunities. Would be great. Not, not our local area, not teams that we talk about every week, but definitely. Uh, right here next to us, and uh, we wish those coaches and teams the. the well, Matt, you know how you know how sweet is that? You know, for Angie Hinton to be able to go back to the doghouse where she won a state championship and may be able to advance again to another state championship at One A Lanesville. So you know, you, you know, she's going to be excited to be able to go back there and be able to compete for a semi-state title. Yeah, Chad, a uh, question on the Thornton's text line said, ask Chad about Carmel stopping all competition with Center Grove. Chad, you're an IHSA board member, so you are around high school sports. A lot of the big decisions that are discussed and voted on and made, you're in the room for those. But you're also an AD at Charlestown High School, and you've been a coach, so you can kind of see this from all perspectives. I know that Carmel and Center Grove really has zero to do with our local high school sports scene that we treasure so much, but it was a very interesting announcement to see uh, Carmel come out and say they are halting all sports against Center Grove without with with not a lot of any kind of details announced with that. Well, you know the interesting fact on that is the Madison, the old Madison athletic director Joe Bronkella is now the athletic director at Center Grove. So Joe was at Madison last year at this time. He's now the athletic director at Center Grove. So he's right in this, and it's uh, you know that that. There's uh, when you're dealing with that, it's two sides in every story, and I'm sure both sides have a reason, like they want they want to get rid of it or why they want to continue playing. That's something that I'm not talked to both sides, so I'm, I don't know exactly what all's going on. But we have an IHSA meeting this weekend, so I'm sure that I will find out more information pertaining to it. The interesting thing is is going to be contracts, how those contracts are canceled, what money is involved in canceling those contracts and how that moves forward with all sports. It could be a, hef- a hefty uh, price tag on that, Matt. I'm, I'm curious to find that out myself. Chad Gilbert with me here on this Monday program. Chad, uh, Indiana making some real moves. Uh, second place in the Big Ten Conference is where they are at now. Uh, of course, Purdue has been number one, although they got knocked off again recently here uh, over the weekend by Northwestern, their second loss in three games, I believe. Uh, college hoops in our state is strong, and I'm curious as we exit today your thoughts on the Hoosiers. I get a, a lot of IU input from people across the state, but you're a coach. You're a, a guy that follows this. Your thoughts on this big spurt here by Indiana? Well, you know, they seem to be hitting their stride at the right time. And a lot of that goes, Matt, uh, you know, you talk about Purdue losing two out of three. When you hit the road, the road hits back. And what that means, it's hard to win on the road. And you think about Indiana's thing, they've had some big wins at home. They've got to continue to win on the road as well. The old adage goes, when you're talking about college basketball, if you can win them all at home and half on the road, you're going to be in contention for a a, a conference championship. So the, 
you just got to continue to take care of business. And you want to talk about an outstanding tournament. You talk about March Madness. What about the Big Ten tournament at the end of the year? My goodness, there's going to be some good basketball being played. Yeah, going to be a lot of fun. Chad Gilbert with me Mondays on the show. Chad, thanks for the chat. We'll do it again next Monday. Matt, appreciate the run. Thanks for everything you do for Southern Indiana Sports. For sure. Chad Gilbert with me Mondays, and that's going to wrap up today's program. And uh, I'll be back with you Tuesday at 11 a.m. and every day this week for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. So stay with us for that. If you missed a live show, you can always find us as a podcast. All you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison wherever you listen to podcasts and you'll find us there. Have a great Monday. Talk with you tomorrow. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.